Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Wallace Bird and, oh... Mate, you are in for an absolute treat. Um, she's incredible. We had such a lovely chat. It was one of them ones where you sort of don't want it to end. It just carries on. And yeah, there was there was lots of enthusiasm about very uh, similar tastes in music. And uh, and yeah, she's got such a, a, a passion in the way that she talks about uh, life and music. And, uh, and you're about to get stuck into that anyway. But um, before we do get into that um a few thank yous so um always first um is you lot um massive thanks to you lot for for listening to this podcast and and i hope the very reason that you listen to this podcast is is, is all the things that you're about to get in today's episode because i feel like we, we ticked all the all the off the beaten track boxes on this one it was it's it, it was a real joy um and so yeah massive thanks for for continuing to to support this we're, we're we're nearly at the 400 episode mark now so it's been a it's been a journey and it's been lovely that so many of you have um have been on that journey with us um before during and after lockdown so 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 thanks loads um secondly always like to thank uh the podfather himself mr scroobius pip um he was the guy that introduced me to this weird world of podcasting and and, and said yeah just have a go at it and uh you know as I'm sure you're aware when you hear me talk, I've got no background in this sort of thing. Um, and so, so big love to Scroobius Pip for, for, for introducing me to this. And, and also, you know, letting me put this podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network, which is, you know, a home of so many amazing podcasts. So go, go check them out um, and, and, and go get stuck into some wonderful podcasts that are available on that, that their network. Um, and thank you to um, my long-serving producer, 76 um, what a diamond he is. Um, throughout the whole of lockdown, you know, there was some episodes that were obviously being done remotely where the Wi-Fi drop out and every now and again it'd get glitchy and he'd do his best to kind of, you know, iron it all out and and ensure that you get a, a nice warm sounding um, chat for your ears. And he's definitely done that today. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track podcast, when you get to the end of uh, today's uh, delightful natter with, with Wallace, go check out the back catalogue because, um, yeah, we, we talk... Um, we, you, you can catch episodes with the likes of 
Oh, blimey. Uh, Rasheen Murphy. Uh, we talk about Rasheen uh, today. Um, and, yeah, you can hear me talking to her. You can hear me talking to Idols, Billy Nomate, Sleaford Mods, Suede. Um, yeah, big big rock bands like the Foo Fighters and Motley Crue, producers of big rock bands uh, like Butch Vig. Um, you can hear me talking to Fatboy Slim uh, and, and just some, some real acting talent like you can hear me talking to um the absolutely delightful maxine peak amanda abington joe hartley um I've, I've, I've tried to sort of grab as many of the shane meadows gang as possible so there's a uh, if you're a fan of the, the works of shane meadows then uh, i've spoke to a fair few of them uh over the course of um recording this pod um there's a cracking episode with um with thomas turgo so i'd definitely recommend um comedians um again had some delightful chats and so many of them are musos who would have known that ed gamble's a massive metalhead um yeah james acaster got incredible taste in music and has got his own music podcast um uh so had some great chats with ed and james um yeah I'll, I'll stop listing because like i said there's nearly there's nearly 400 episodes now so you can find out about um, everything you need to know about this podcast at off the beat and track podcast.com i've got a patreon as well it's a dollar a month you get to watch all the episodes you get radio shows you get loads of other stuff so if you're feeling generous and you'd like to support the podcast for about 70p a month you get uh, a big bundle of, of content each week over there and a back catalogue of hundreds of episodes that haven't been released to the public. Uh, so, yeah, and that just goes in the pot to pay for the production of this here podcast. Right. Blimey, I've been waffling for four and a half minutes. I know why you're here. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with the absolutely delightful Wallace Bird. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, One of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Wallace Bird, how are you, mate? I'm great, Stuart. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. The sun is shining in uh, in Essex today, and it looks glorious there in Berlin. It is. It's very pretty, but it's super muggy. Oh my god, it's muggy, and Look, I'm on the, the top floor. If you could only smell me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, the first bit of sunshine, and already you're moaning about it. Come on, come on, enjoy oh, no. it. Okay, I better go. I better go. I'm going to take a whip to myself now, like an Egypt. Yeah, what am I like? Well, look, before before we get onto your playlist, mate, I I just want to um, ask you to sort of cast your 
your mind back to uh, the, the 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 sort of few the few years or the eighteen months or however long it was. It was all a bit of a blur that that was the lockdown, and I'm just curious to know how you found that as a as a creative. How how you found that personally and creatively. Um, personally, uh, well, the personal and the creative they did melt. I. Uh, the first year I did nothing. I uh, took the opportunity to uh, rest and sleep and vegetate and binge um, binge lectures. The, I, I kind of con- had to do my contractual duties, um, but I had very little. I didn't really want to. When when I saw that all our concerts were taken away from us and all our jobs were in the air and there was tragedy and death and destruction and I was like, oh my God, what's the point of it all? Um, I guess I went into a, a shutdown and uh, I quite enjoyed the nothingness of it all. Um, and I, about a year into it, I said, okay, well, it looks like it's something that we can live with this lockdown, this pandemic. And um there might be uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. And a, a year into it, that's when I gave up drink and decided to change my perspective. And um, I took up trumpet and um, just began to re-engage in a different way and say, right, I'm not going to pressurize myself into anything. I'm just going to do what I like and I'm going to have fun doing it. I'm going to do something quite different this time around. So, um yeah, it was it was like okay, new opportunity, change it up, change it up, and jump in, do something very different. Uh, what about yourself? Um, oh, thanks for asking. Um, it's quite weird. No one asked me questions on here. Um, it was um, it was my, my venue shut. Um, you know, and I didn't like most of us. I think I presumed it might be like anything in the world. It's like it's yesterday's news after a couple of weeks, but it weren't going away. It just it was like, oh, okay. So, and again, like most people, I went into holiday mode, airport drinking rules. You know, it was yeah. like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. Can I have a beer? The sun's shining. Like, uh, and then I think after, it was just weird that you said that you stopped drinking during lockdown. I, it, it got to about three months in, and I thought, do you know what? I've had a drink every night for three months. That's fucking scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, And so I was like, Oh, I might need to have a look at this. Yes. Uh, and it was like, and I, you know, I, I, I guess it was a manageable thing. Uh, and I, I managed to just go, right, well, look, it's, I haven't stopped drinking. Um, but I then had to realize maybe I'll just save the beer for when we do these Zoom quiz nights and such with friends at weekends and all the other claptrap everyone was doing to try and stay sane through that strange time. But it's 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 so weird how many people, certainly creatives that I've spoke to on this podcast, that drink was definitely a factor in lockdown. Just because, mm-hmm. and because I guess for touring musicians uh, and 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 actors and they, you know, they couldn't do anything that they normally do. All of that yeah. routine was was you know, and, and certainly for musicians, like uh, you know, in regards to gigs and things like that. Venues were the first things to shut and were certainly going to be the last things to reopen. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it just sort of threw everybody out a little bit and was like, right, well, I'm 
for the first time in years, I've, I've not got to worry about touring. I've not got to worry mm-hmm. about, and it, and it was. I'm always interested in where you said you sort of basically took a year and just chilled, and mm-hmm. I'm always interested in that when creatives get a kind of someone hits the pause button, and obviously, in a way, never seen before. But how much? Because generally, I find with with most sort of creative people I talk to, they're very driven. Um, and the thought of just going, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to do anything today doesn't necessarily compute in a in mm-hmm. a creative mind. And and certainly, if you sort of you know you're you're an independent artist, or you know, and you're very, or if you're very DIY in what you do, um, yeah, I just wondered how how you sort of settled on that mindset and didn't think, well, I'm not touring now, so I better write another record. Or like, what was your kind of? Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of pressure you put on yourself to like, well, there's nothing happening, so let's take this opportunity and do this. Or, and I also, I'm going to load the question, and the question's sketchy as hell at the moment. But, um, but also, can you force it? Can you go right? I've got this time off now. I better write an album. Is it as easy as going right? Well, yeah, tomorrow I get up and I write, start writing a record. Or it's like, wait, and I'm not really feeling it. Like, you know, how much does life experience and, and scenarios and situations factor into your creative process? So I don't really know what the question is, but uh, there's a mishmash there on, as to how you decided to settle on going, I'm going to take some time out. I I get all of your questioning. I get all of it, the whole, uh, it's all related. Uh, I think you can, there's a difference between forcing and working on. Uh, and I, I would say that I, I do, I do force my creativity, but I call it, call it working on it. Because if I'm saying that I'm forcing it, then you're using a negative word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the way I look at um, songwriting, for example, is that um, I've decided that this is uh, my, this is my day to day life. So uh, I have an opportunity to. Um, to, to get better every day. And even if that's in just learn a new word or to go about learning a, a whole new um, engineering style or doing lectures on how to be a better engineer, anything from as small or as little, every, I'm trying to, to get better every day. Um, and I'm also like Olympically lazy uh, I, I, I need to, I, I need to do nothing as well. Um, see, I have this, I have this urge and this natural, uh, ability to, to be really interested in technology and, um, learning and all of these things. But, uh, I, I use this word forcing. I force myself to stop and do absolutely nothing because, um, I think it's really healthy as well. Yeah. And it's really healthy to just switch off um, because there's so much pressure you put on yourself as an artist as well as such an emotional and esoteric, egotistical thing <laughs> that it's really, you have to remember that like um, you're, you're not just person standing on stage and uh, you, you have to not be, not get used to people um applauding you and 
you know, you have to just remember that you're also, you go to the toilet like everybody else and you have to be useful in some other way than some uh, esoteric thing. You have to be, it's when the lockdown came, I started to, to really question what's my, how am I going to be useful? Because we're also moving into a really interesting time in our life where it's, uh, we're going to have a lot of um, environmental and um climate refugees so I have to learn how to cook I have to learn how to be uh, good in um, communication management Uh, I have to be able to build things help be useful Um, I think we're moving into a world that's moving beyond where we have to be actually useful because it's it's a different era that we're moving into Um, where we actually have to be physically helpful. Um, so my mind at the moment is like, I just had unbelievable fun with this record because I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. At the moment, there's war on my European doorstep. Yeah. So I have to be thinking about the world in terms of uh, being a helpful human rather than just being like, I want you to love me for my music. I'll tell you what, right? I... Um, I I drove to the Ukraine border about uh, a month ago um, with 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 a van full of aid. Uh, Fair pity. And one of the things that everybody's asked is like, oh my god, was it horrible? Was it horrible? It was like, no, 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 no. What I saw was insane, insane levels of kindness everywhere, yeah. and it was so fucking lovely. Uh, to, and the horror that was going on the other side of that border is is, is unreal, and, and I, I can't even bear to think about it. But what people were doing from all over Europe, like, and what they were doing on their borders, and the people that were volunteering and giving their time up in these centres that were like collating the aid and, and, and redirecting it, it was fucking unreal and that just wherever you looked was just buses from all over Europe that people had just got these buses and they were full of refugees and they were driving them wherever and it was just there's not enough coverage on stuff like that of like how how fucking many kind people there are out there Mm -hmm. doing these amazing things and everywhere we looked there was just really generous the kindness of strangers is is, is something to behold It it really is and uh and yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more that the, the world is a very fucking strange place right now. And yeah, and in and 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 I think where you know we're in in the countries where we're from, we're, we're so used to seeing these kind of conflicts in the Middle East, and it not necessarily not that it it, it puts any less value on, on on what's going on, but it's it feels so far away and. Within a day and a half, I was at that border from like London, and it's like it's not far, and it's certainly not far from where you are, and yeah. and it's yeah, it's it's terrifying, and <laughs> and yeah, and and I think I don't, I really don't want to get this wrong. I want to frame it right, but when you see so much conflict in the Middle East, where it's been war zones there for years and years and years and years and years. You, not that you become desensitized to it, but I think your, your mind kind of makes sense of it in a very strange way. Whereas when I watched the footage when it started to unfold in, in, in Ukraine, and I was just thinking, these 
are people that live lives like me that just go to work every day and have a very normal life and have a house and children and do the school run and within 24 fucking hours right your husband your brother your son and your father's got to stay here you've got to get your dog cat goldfish children and a suitcase and just get the fuck out in 24 hours like i can't comprehend that madness it's like and that's just people's like worlds and and the not knowing i mean every bit of that kindness i see on the other side in poland was incredible but and i'm sure they're very grateful for it but they don't want it they want to go home (laughs) they just want to go back to their life absolutely yeah there's nobody nobody takes any of their it takes their belongings and their beloved and nobody wants to leave home in in anywhere in the world um we've gone right off tangent here (laughs) sorry we've gone right off tangent here but that's the beauty of podcasting the conversation can go anywhere yeah yeah um i'm only getting into it in the last couple of years i'm i'm turning 40 this year at the end of the year and I think it's an age thing as well because I'm nesting and my uh, my needs for the world is are, are absolutely changing um, what I want for the world um, and what I, the mark that I want to leave on the world. So it's changing. And um, yeah, all of that shit takes a background. All of the music takes a background, actually. Uh, you do what you can to help how you can through the music but actually after that I'm, I'm in a in flux at the moment because uh, I want to get my driver's license and do like you did drive yeah. with aid be it help oh, it's yeah it's a nobody wants but in the way that I can help in help is such a shit word um I'm writing about refugees and humanitarian crises uh in a way that I can understand and be told that I'm wrong as well and uh, as a way of marking out the time. Um, so the last album, Woman, was about, um, uh, quite a lot of it was marking the time of the refugee crisis and the Syrian conflict and me- and how many people died crossing the Mediterranean and, and water and how much it would take for you to step into a boat with your with your newborn or your toddler and your family and, and not even a bag on your back and just to like step off land into a dinghy how much bravery that must take and and um that we're all responsible for how we deal with that we're physically responsible for for our reaction towards that and i can see that the reactions to from us uh with syrian refugees and ukrainian refugees is very different and we have to like really really pay attention to that and be careful that we don't separate the two because we are one and i think that it's really important for europeans to see that everywhere is very very close everywhere in this earth is very close and we have to be careful with each other and mind each other uh and yeah, the, the music that I think musicians need to be writing right now needs to reflect the time that we're living in and have some kind of solutionary um, vision. Yeah. Yeah. Us artists, yeah. Let's talk music. Oh, no, I have to go. <laughs> That's it now. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to ask you to start your playlist now, and I'm going to ask you please to tell me um, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Yeah, I love this question. This is class. Um, so, uh, well, I heard it recently and it drove me, it made me go, holy God. It is uh, Janis Joplin, Cry Baby. She comes into this, she comes into this song with, um, it's it's the, baby. It's insane. It's yeah. just, Oh, such an intense, 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 beautiful introduction. Um, totally unmistakable. Whenever you hear it, uh, you're in the 70s. Yeah. You are um, with Janice immediately. Um, and nobody sings like her anymore. Nobody will ever sing like her again. And you're very, very aware of what the 70s offered people and it was uh, musical freedom. Um, you mentioned that you love technology and and, and, and how technology shifts. And, and one of the things that I think the shift in technology has enabled is when you sent the list over um, to me, I could instantly go and refresh my brain of what Cry Baby by Janis Joplin was in a split second. I just got my <laughs> phone and I searched it and it was there. Um, and so, you know, I, I was using Spotify to do that. And so where I'm going to take this question is, if that shift in technology means that generations that are coming through now, my children are very much part of that generation, super fast thumbs, just whizzing through TikTok, you know, wanting 30 seconds at most of anything. And, and we're finding that a lot of Spotify playlists and, and, and things that are now key for marketing music to, to audiences, um, I think there's an element of trim the fat off, you know, cut straight to it if you want to get on these playlists. And so whether that's right or wrong, I think there's an art in both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to know how you approach songwriting and essentially the intro and how much of the trends in, in how people get their music filters through into that process. Do you get where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, I, I'm going to say I love and hate um, the whole thing. What I love about short intros and short attention span is that um, the your intention is very uh, obvious. So um, what you mean by it, you can do, you can do a timeless, very deep, uh, non-linear um, introduction in but a moment. And if it comes from the heart and if it comes from somewhere where you've put effort, intellectual, creative effort into it, you can absolutely hear that. Um, if your introduction sounds flippant because you did it flippantly, um, that can either be very cool and very rock and roll, or it can be really, really very much. I can hear the frequential laziness in it. You can, uh, you can hear effort and you can hear bullshit very quickly. Um, but it's also subjective. So it actually, none of it matters. None of it matters. It will reach you or it won't. And that's the way I like to look at it. So um, I treat 
me personally, how I treat my music is that I put my intention in and I put it in pure. And if somebody receives it, great. And if they don't, it's no loss to me because it will reach the correct people. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, probably that's the handiest way to 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 go about it because if you're trying to please everybody you're going to you're going to write something that's not from you you're you're pandering and you hear that as well and also i think at this stage um there's such a a narrow uh a narrow engagement window and it's and it's look and draw and subjectivity it's all those things that i think um somebody who's being creative should just kind of um just go about it that you enjoy what you're doing and don't pander. Just truly enjoy what you're doing because it, yeah, nobody, it, it really doesn't, you've no idea where it's going to go. So you should just enjoy it at the very, very least. Wonderful. Um, and it, yeah, it sounds, it's hard to get to that point. It's hard to get to that point. I think it's um, experience as well to get to that point because when I was younger I approached my music so much differently I was like right we need the hit we need the single I need to need to have it sounding like this because this is modern and in the end I always drew back from that because uh, modernity is of its time and surely I mean it's it's good to fit in but the business is bullshit music business is just it's it's dead and gone and it's rebuilding at the moment and it's new artists that don't have anywhere to go from they don't have any big budget nobody takes a risk um there is no bonuses involved um 
management and labels only get involved when something's quite successful already. So you basically have to do it yourself and then they jump on because it's working. Nobody takes a risk anymore. So just yeah. like, fucking be yourself, do your own thing. There is no tastemaker or gatekeeper anymore. Just there's really not. The whole thing is in flux. And um, so just do whatever you want now at this stage, really. Um, and it also it's breeding a really wonderful style of artists at the moment. Like you say, technology has become so accessible now and it's free in many cases. You just have to have the hardware, the phone, the laptop, whatever. Um, that it's breeding this uh, really Na uh, a digital native um, in the way that the 80s was synth wise like if you wanted to be a synth maestro you had to have huge amount of money and space to to hold your hardware I mean you're talking about a hundred grand for a harmonizer or a vocoder or something mm. back in the late 70s whereas now you can have uh, an equally high high um, ver highly versatile um, synth on your telephone that you got for 150 second hand and the app is free. Yeah. It's like the, it's an incredible age that we're in now. So just, I, I'd be very encouraging of just do the, whatever the fuck you want, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to take you back now for track two, and I'm going to ask you, please to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Mm-hmm. I love these questions. Uh, for me, it was uh, Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Um, I remember standing over the vinyl player. My dad played it, uh, standing over the vinyl player and, like a dog like this, listening and going, <laughs> what is that? Um, and I played it over and over and over and over and over and over. And my dad was like, D Wallace, step away from the fucking vinyl. Um I just played the song over and over because it had, uh, it was a, a, well, it was a, a natural emotional response. There's, um, they used the sound. So, ah, ah, oh, ah, this kind of thing. I know that's a different song, but they use it in the background. Um, they were using their voice in a different way than just singing. Da -da 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 -da. And I'd never heard that. I was a, I was a kid and I was just piecing together what, what music meant. And uh, the, the the chords of it just do something to me. It made me feel um, present. It made me feel confused. There was a dreaminess to it. And I remember it being a song that was like, oh, this is, this is what emotions feel like to me. So I guess I would have heard it when I was eight. And I remember it drawing out emotions in me that I thought were only something that I experienced. And then I began to hear them in music. And I was like, oh, is this what music is? So I suppose it was an emotional response and connectivity to what uh, music can make you feel. And you become part of the music. And is, is this your emotion being reflected in the music or is the music giving me this emotion? And it was... Um, it was like realizing that you exist yeah. in a way. Yeah. It's a lovely awakening, isn't it? When you just realize that music isn't just stuff that's just there in the background and, oh, well, there's a different level to this. Like mm -hmm. just realizing that there is emotion and feeling and, and stuff like that. And to, when you get that as a kid, I think that's like, that's just a really beautiful thing. And it's like, it's one of my favorite things when, when, when people answer this question on this podcast, because it's all always kind of in that moment of like, Oh, right. So 
you know, as you said, so this is music. This is what it, it, yeah. it can do, and it's 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 lovely. I just like love hearing people sort of talk about that 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 it's experience. Such a good question. It's such a good question. <laughs> it draws up such strong memories because mm. it's like, what's your earliest memory? And yeah, uh, yeah so I can only imagine the awakenings that you've had through other yeah. people, so, watching other people's. So how how was home? Where where was home? And was it a happy place to grow up? It was oh, it was fantastic. Actually, I was really lucky. You can tell it in me that I had a nice. Um, I was lucky that I had an early nice upbringing. Um, yeah, it was in the countryside. Well, I grew up in a couple of different places. My parents had like seven kids, and they didn't give a shit. They just kind of uprooted us, every one of us, and was like, "Yeah, okay, we bought a pub, so we're moving to a pub now." And then we're like okay, we're moving to a pub. And, and then all of a sudden your siblings and your parents uh, explode into um, a couple of hundred people a day. <laughs> so you're walking into a pub and it's like you're dealing with, you're looking at people who are standing at the counter and they're ordering a drink either to celebrate or to, um, or to eviscerate. Um, it's real psychological. It's, a, it's been in a real psychological space. Um, my parents having to deal with multiple people in the day. And then you, um, as kids, our common language was, was, uh, albums. You'd stick an album on and you knew what, you knew what mood everybody was in. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, they're playing Slayer, don't enter. Or, um, or they have Prodigy, the doors open. Okay, go in and start like my brother's in a good mood or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a f- great common language and my, my dad, the way he wound down or the way that he, um, the way that he celebrated his day was through music. And, uh, so he would stick on an album and my mother would turn on the radio and she'd be singing to it all day. So music was the kind of, was the relief. Um, and yeah, it was the, it was just the relief. That was it. So it was a gorgeous, gorgeous upbringing. It was in a, it was in a pub for five years and then it was moving, which is stressful and you have to deal, you have to learn how to be cool in a group and um, you have to learn how to get used to new surroundings, uh, hence me loving a real migrational background lifestyle um, and love and change. And uh, the other side of it is that, um, then you settle in somewhere and my parents settle in the country um, where if you don't think of something to do and entertain yourself, you're, you're in the back arse of nowhere with nothing to do. So um, yeah, it was a lot to take in and um, growing up, my parents were really encouraging about, I say encouraging. They're, they're not, they're not, you can do it Wallace. They're absolutely not those kind of people. They're, they're just like, are you all right? Ah, geez, would you not kind of think of doing something a little less, a little less um, dangerous or a little less unstable? They were just like, what are you at? And you had to be able to answer for yourself. And then they'd let you do it. And then they'd be like, "Okay, I just have to turn away and just let you do it. But that's great. (laughs) That's great. I think like that that echoes mine and, you know, and, and, and just parents that wouldn't go, like you say, wouldn't go, yeah, just go for it. Like they'd always just be like, "Is it worth getting a trade?" Yeah, I know what you're saying, but no, you know. And 
and I, I said to the, the, the careers officer, he's like, what do you want to be? And I was like, a rock star. And he, nice. and he just laughed. And he went, so if you can't be a rock star, what do you want to be? <laughs> he must have fucking yeah, hated yeah. me. So I was such a smug prick. I went, stuntman. And he was like, <laughs> both great, exciting jobs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, and but I think like my parents would have hated both of them answers. But like yours, they were always like, well, is that what you want to do? All right. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of let you make a mistake and you know mm. and we're always there should it go tits up but i think yeah. there's there's i think that's really that's encouragement in a, in a in a in a really nice way i think like yeah. just you know just letting you find your way and do what you want to do and but knowing that they've got your back if needs be i think there's, there's, oh there's something lovely in that it's a that's a huge parenting thing it's like if if you want to go be a teenager and have a sleepover and uh, go wild, you're going to lose your virginity tonight and you're going to take loads of pills or some shit like that. You want to know that you can like talk to your parents about, yeah. I'm in a bad place, I need you to come collect me and yeah. I'm drunk and I'm yeah. like 14. Yeah. Some kind of thing like this. I think that's I like have parent- a 19 year old and a 16 year old. I'm going through that shit right now. <laughs> oh my God. Fair play to you. Yeah. 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 I, wow. Um, but you just think you can't judge because they'll just, they'll just clam up and they won't talk to you. And like, exactly. and all the time you go, all right, cool. Fair enough. Where are you going to be? All right. Excellent. If you need mm-hmm. me, shout at me. And like, it's all you can do. Wow. <laughs> it's weird. Well, look, um, I guess one of the things that, that would have been affected by, by, by the move in Iran as a youngster is going to bring us on nicely to track three, which is, um, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. Mm-hmm. The song that reminds me of that time at school was Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Oh, ain't that special, that record? What a record. Oh, my God. Absolutely wild, that record. It's so good. Um, it was, school time was uh, very, I was absolutely awful at theory. I hated, hated um, having to sit and uh, receive teachers and uh, having to sit down and like ream off things just so that I could get through the school day. But I really enjoyed the, um, I really enjoyed learning by watching the way the teachers taught um, and how they treat people. That was my learning curve. Um, and hanging out with, um, I suppose my my learning, what I learned in school is uh, communication and um, being in a group, being in team efforts. And um, But theory, I just kind of like, I did what I had to, but I never... <laughs> I, I I learn by by um, practicing and what is it uh, practical in a practical way. Um, but what I loved what I loved about school. Sorry to 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 jump in. We we did a one of the my favorite times at school was when we all went to a retreat for a couple of days. And it was this kind of a religious retreat. It's a Catholic school. So we went to this um, kind of monastery and we had to meditate together as a group of uh, like 70, 80 girls all together in a room. And we had to write down our feelings and we had to meditate. And it was the first time that I connected with um, a group, 
a huge, huge group of people in one space in a very, very spiritual, very private way. And I remember thinking, this is cool. This is really nice. And that was my first experience with um, group communion, let's say, which I do at concerts now. I consider it to be a group communion experience together, a conversation to and fro um, and not just a spectator thing. And um, this song, Time After Time, they played it to try and get us to to open up. and, And it was we're like a bunch of 60, 80 girls in a room crying, singing time after time. <laughs> and um, and we had all come through this three-day, really hefty retreat talking about our emotions and our teenagehood. And and then us coming together in, in the meditation, our meditation, listening to Cindy Lauper's album. And uh, we all started just roaring our heads off uh, when it came to time after time. And I remember being, being like, that's the power of communal music. Yeah, that was, that was a nice school thing. Having the sort of switch schools and stuff through, through moving around, was you, a, was you a confident kid? Yeah, I seemed to have been. Um, I was, I think, yeah, I was. I was just kind of like, I did my own thing. Uh, I think it was le- less, oh, I don't know if it was confidence. I was born with a knack of not giving a shit what other people think of me. And I think that's confidence probably. 100%. But it wasn't something that, like I, I remember girls trying to bully me and trying to take the piss out of me. And I was, and it didn't, it, it, it didn't land because I didn't, I was like, oh, I think I see what you're trying to do there, but it doesn't affect me. So, and it used to drive them mad because they couldn't bully me. But it just kind of, I was like, why would you bother? And then I'd go off and hang out with somebody else who was nice. So it, I think there was a, just an, an innate thing that I was born with, which is like, I think I don't hang out with people who are mean, actually. I kind of just go and find somebody else. I mean, that's um, good advice. Is it? Yeah, definitely. Don't <laughs> don't hang out with mean people. Hang out with nice people. It's way better. <laughs> way better. <laughs> mean people are generally pretty shit. Like, yeah. Find the nice yeah. ones. They're a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's usually that somebody who's mean to you is just, uh, doesn't like themselves or hasn't found themselves or something like that. And I used to be like, mm, okay, I'm just going to hang out with the person that doesn't do that to me. Definitely. I want to ask you about um, the first record you remember buying from a record shop, please. Um, it was I was pretty late buying records. I bought it when I was seventeen. Went on a school trip, and uh, everybody went to to um, the record store together. And I was in love with this song from Maloko called "The Time Is Now." Um, I can't believe how old that track is now. It doesn't feel old. It's absolutely timeless. But I was, it was 1998, I think it was. Yeah. And it was, I bought it on tape. Um, Just had to have that tune. It was just such a banging, uh, totally different song than anything that was on the radio at that time. Uh, It was really progressive and unique and effortlessly cool. And I was like, I'm I'm going to buy that. That's because up to that point, I'd just been uh, getting hand-me-down records yeah. from the family. Yeah, we all had. Everybody had so many records that I just kind of rinsed all of theirs before I started going. Oh, I actually I can get my own records. 
And yeah, that was a big one, Maloko, the time is now. Yeah, Rasheen's like just beamed down from outer space. She's absolutely fucking different level call, isn't she? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just have you seen her live um, as, as a solo? Fucking hell, it's different mm-hmm. level. It, it really is. Like visually, mm-hmm. like yeah, she's she's uh, she's pretty special, and mm-hmm. uh, and that record it. You play it now, it could come out today and yeah. it, it's it, it's from out of space. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. sit in a certain – it's not got a, a sort of production value to it that kind of thinks, oh, yeah, that was probably from then. It, it could come out now and it would just mm-hmm. still sound fresh as a daisy. What a record. Absolutely. Yeah, record. yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a genius now. And watching her progression that she started to move into directing her own movies and uh, taking over full production. And it's like, oh, I just love artist development. Yeah. It gives me so much life. Yeah. yeah she's brilliant. Yeah. Cons- always evolving. Yeah. I am. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Asked you about confidence earlier, and and and, and you've been um, writing and releasing records for for quite a while now. And in as we've touched upon it, in a very tough industry. Uh, mm. And so, with with that in mind, tell me about your relationship with Drive. My relationship with Drive—that's a lovely question. Um, I had. When I was, say, 20, I began to come into my ambition because um, I really don't know how to say this in another way because I don't, I don't feel that, I don't look at it the same way. But I was, I was pretty special when I was younger. Uh, I was this mad little young one who was able to play the guitar really hard and um, was just kind of bouncing from person to person Um and I was really ambitious. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not get. I, I, all I know is that I'm not getting a nine to five, and I just want to work with nice people and and release records. And I want to be, um, uh, I want to be on stage, and I want to, you know, because I had this, I had this strong voice very young, and uh, I've pushed it really hard. And I remember the the reactions that I got from people very early they were when I sang you know R-E-S-P-E-C-T by uh, Aretha Franklin and just this wild little young one absolutely fucking belting out R-E-S-P-E-C-T as if my life depended on it as if it was my song or something you know I really love I was like just lost and uh, people would people were latching onto me and, it, and I remember that's what drove me I was like oh this is really interesting this reaction so people are like you need to bring out a cd you need to write an album and i was already many many albums deep at that time so i'd been recording albums for my friends on tape at home i got a four track um 
Okay, I suppose to to start off very early, I started recording in studios when I was 12. I got a I got a publishing deal when I was 14. Um I bought my own studio equipment that same year and I started like churning out albums and um recording full demo productions alone. So there was something that I was doing already. I was very prolific before I even knew what I was doing. I was just like this interested little kid. And then later on, I realized that people are like, you know, that's what you're doing. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I suppose I am producing my own stuff. And um, and the drive led into in my early 20s where I wanted to be at awards ceremonies and I wanted to be critically acclaimed and I wanted to have this, that, the other. And Where uh, was you at this point? Where was you living? I was living between London and, and Germany and uh, I just signed uh, rec- my first record deal and uh, my ego exploded and that was the drive. And then uh, I thought I was going to be the next massive thing. And um, and then the, the as amazing as, as Ireland was uh, to work with, I it, it was this whole designing around myself Um. A, a huge machine that I was 30 people uh, removed from choice, from decisions and choices. It had to go through, through 30 people before I was able to make a decision that I realized that I was a very, very small cog in a machine. And that's when I realized that I was deeply unhappy and they were deeply unhappy with me because I began to withdraw and become very difficult to work with. And, um, and it just wasn't right. Uh, records weren't selling and obviously they were like well I mean you know we are a bank and you're not making money so we have to let you go and I was like thank fucking god so um it was the best thing that happened and uh I saved my money and that brought out a new drive so it brought out this drive of saying like I can't rely on anybody I have to rely on myself and I I've started this career now I don't want a job I don't have to get a job and um so I have to decide how I'm going to do this. Uh, I want to continue on the level that I'm doing it, but I have to do it myself now. Um, so that brought out a new independent drive, which I'll never take back. And that's the route that I'm on now. Um, and it's led me up to, up to this day to choose only to work with people that understand my creativity and what I want to do. And I enjoy how they do it. And it's a reciprocal um it's a reciprocal learning and uh, learning thing and a uh, artist development thing. So I'm not in for short term anything. I'm very much in for let's let's do this together and see how we get on. And if it's going well, we'll continue. And if it's not, we've tried it. Um, so the drive now is to be enjoying who I'm doing it with, uh, enjoying what I'm doing and everything else is, uh, is a bonus. That's it. Perfect answer. Well, listen, I'm going to take you clubbing and, yeah! uh, and I want you to tell me, uh, the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please. Um, I love Prodigy. The album Fat of the Land, uh, blows my tiny mind um it's so visceral um it's beautifully aggressive it brings out 
the side in you. So you can either get really angry, aggressive, or you can get really energetic, lose yourself, enjoyable. Um, I love darkness. I'm a very, very positive person, but I um, I enjoy um, like blood, guts, gore, horror movies. Um, used to enjoy that up until my youth. And I mean, a little bit less so now because I don't need the hassle. But um, I enjoy the dark side of, of life because I think it's really necessary um, being in touch with that. And uh, Prodigy is the perfect amount, really, really creative and deeply beautiful uh, maestro effort gone into creativity. And it's edgy as fuck. And um, it kind of separates the room. People either see the beauty in, in the in the power of it and the the defiance they see the beauty and the defiance or they just kind of go oh isn't that my thing you can't um it, then I it really designs the people that I want to hang out with so I'm like if they can handle a bit of prodigy I'm like okay you're my kind of people <laughs> oh well you're, you're talking to your kind of people they're Essex's finest and uh oh man they're, out. they're from Essex yeah oh, yeah please. they're out they're our hometown heroes them and Depeche Mode that's all we got <laughs> and nice. uh, holy shit uh, nice. um but yeah like oh my god like that that the writing was on the wall I think with Jilted um when when they dropped like tracks like Poison it was like ah oh, right okay like yeah. Liam's hip hop influence, he's, he's really coming through here, and just oh. the fucking beats on Fat of the Land. Oh, it's like, oh, right, we're going to make them big, and then we're going to stick some more big on that, and then they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to get any bigger, and then we're mm-hmm. just going to put this fucking gnarly maniac fronting it on stage that's mm. going to just deliver something. That what we're going to do is we're going to take dance music to fucking rock festivals. And they're going to blow the rock bands off the fucking stage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what they've done. And it was insane. It was like yeah. growing up at the age I am in, you know, 88, 89, when they're dropping Charlie and um, uh, and wind it up and, and out of space, it was like they were just kind of bundled in with a myriad of bands that were all releasing these little hardcore singles on little labels, uh, unbeknown to the, the weight that XL was going to become as a label. But um, And then you just realise that, that Liam is some talent and like, oh my God. it's yeah. ridiculous. And yeah. that record, Fat of the Land, when you think of the stuff that was coming out at that point, you know, mm-hmm. you've got the, the peak of Seattle wave, all of that. You've got the peak of blur Oasis, you mm-hmm. know, that whole big Brit scene, I guess, yeah. whatever you yeah. want to call it. You've got monster pop music, you know, with, with I yeah. guess Spice Girls and things like that, and mm-hmm. and then you've just got this thing that's just, in my opinion, dwarfs a lot of it. That just makes yeah. this, it's punk as fuck, yeah. and like, and it's just got everything I love about music in it. It's just got their monster hip hop breaks, and mm-hmm. and yeah, and it and it rocks, and it's punk as fuck, and it's like yeah. that ain't an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. yeah, and. Uh, still to this day, the, the greatest gig I've ever seen. The greatest gig. I saw them do their homecoming show at, at, at back when the V Festival was good and uh, and they come back to Chelmsford um, when Fat of the Land dropped and they played that. And as I think Liam said we was coming to play in our own back garden and it was <laughs> unreal. So good. 
Like, yeah, you're talking to the right person if you want to bang on about the prodigy. <laughs> Fucking love them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Incredible songwriter. Liam was incredible songwriter. Uh, and I love that because a lot of people, like you say, a lot of people would say that it's dance music. It's not a song. I'm like, yeah, shut up, would you? Yeah. Now, how hard it is to emote and to really get people thinking about their life and their in, in, in dance music. And sometimes it might only give you a little, a little taste of like, like say, I got the poison, you know? So you, that's all you have to deal with lyrically, language wise. So you're like, okay, well, what is poison to me? I've got one, one line to deal with. And then the rest of it is just left to your own devices yeah. to get lost in that and, and develop your own story. It's yeah. so exciting. Such songwriting. Yeah. Love it. Love Never. it. Going to take you home. Favourite song, please, from an artist from your home county? Um, oh, county or country? Shit, It's sorry. county, but you will be probably guest number 355 of 400 that has thought it was country. So don't worry. It's my, my bad. Oh it's, my God. Everyone does it. Don't worry. Go country. It's good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. What would a country have been anyway? Uh, I, it would have actually been Ireland. And what, and that's real telling, isn't it? Even though I live here in Germany and I consider myself very German. Um, the answer that I had was The Meaning of the Ritual by Villagers. Villagers is oh. like one of the best shit that ever to come out of Ireland um, in, in, in modern music. Um, well, from County, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have to say uh, there's this guy, Clive Barnes. He's a guitarist and a great songwriter, and he started off with metal and then he moved into Sludge, New Orleans. And um, then he moved into straight up pop. And he he was a guy that was very much small town, born in the same town that I grew up in. And he never, ever once uh, was a victim of being from Enniscorthy. He always thought outside of his box and he taught a load of kids around him to teach the guitar and he was always like all right you got to listen to Ani DeFranco and he was a feminist uh and he was like very very influential person so Clive Barnes I would say from my county he was a hugely influential songwriter um yeah how I mean as somebody that lives in 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 in, um in England like we, we see such a, a huge amount of music come from such a small country, you know, mm. so close to us. And, like, how – it feels – I'm probably getting this so wrong, but it, 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 it certainly feels – and the same with, 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 with Scotland and Wales. There seems to be such a rich part of Irish culture is entrenched in music and song mm. and – did it, did it feel like that growing up? Or if I've got that completely wrong, tell me to shut the fuck up. But it, it's just as, as somebody looking in, it's how, which I don't feel we get, certainly not where I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. you know. There's lots to do with uh, the origin history of, of Ireland and itself as a land. Um, as a landmass, it is on the edge of... Uh, non of it's on the edge of it's oblivion. The if you go to the west, you look out. If you you could fall off the edge of the world, you didn't you know at the origin of civilization in Ireland, it was um, it's very much the abyss. 
the West, the next thing uh, that you you pass to is is America. And I mean, if you got that far, you probably didn't live to come back to Ireland to say, do you know what I just found? Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other land. And um, so there's a mysticism to looking out at the edge of uh, of the earth. So that would have led to a very mystical kind of uh, wistful people. Um, there's also the toil of the land, um, that it's a very craggy, rocky uh, landmass, uh, utterly covered in, in um, uh, mature oak. It was covered in um, forest. So there's this kind of, you can walk for 100 miles and you might not see an opening. So let, that's going back thousands of years. And then we'd move, I suppose, into... In the, in the last, let's say, 500, 800 years of Ireland, then there's a lot of um, identity oppression um, from colonial times where the language was uh, taken away from the Irish, from the, the, the British, and there was the, the genocide and the religious influx, which would have led to a lot of hidden language. So... You weren't allowed to be creative or expressive, um, so you had to talk to each other by by fireside and share the story of the land and share how to how to be a farmer and how to live and how to survive as a human um, in war times and in um, very very hard weather, very weather beaten. Um, day-to-day toiling so there's there's a lot of Irish history which is about like this necessity where your emotions are so suppressed that the only time that you can release it is through a a very depressing love song about love lost which is a metaphor for the hardship of um, what you were going through and the express uh, it's almost like um, original natives in in um, in Australia, how they mark the the area and the land by song. So the the borders of the area were marked by song. So a, a villager would travel to the to the edge of an area, and they would meet somebody, and that person would have an entirely different song. It's like the kilts of the Scots. Sure. It it marks a different boundary. Um, there's so much about the history of Ireland, which the Irish people had to express their boundaries and their emotions through a song. And it was secretive. Um, rebuilding language and rebuilding space. And, and nowadays in Ireland, let's say in the last like hundred years, Irish traditional music has been lost because the language, it's being taught so poorly in Ireland that the language itself um, has has been like eviscerated. So there's this whole other culture that we're losing out on that Irish people are trying to gain back. But there's been an entire culture of Irish music which has just been gone and Willie Lomax, do you ever hear of this? Uh, he's uh, He went around the world collecting dying cultures and dying musical cultures. 
Um, so it was at the very early point of um, recording. He went around with this crazy machine in 1900s Ireland and 1900s America and France, and he collected the the local culture through um, through through tape and uh, gramophone, the fucking earliest recordings that you can get. And that's, it's all histories that are going, that are dying now, that he has the recordings of it, that those people are long gone and we will never have that back again. So there's so much about Irish culture that right now that I think is, it's just beginning again, that it doesn't know where it fucking stands. And we're ruined. Irish culture is ruined by money now. It's just such a very sad, like the reset, the the good times, the Celtic Tiger. You heard of that? No. When, um, the Celtic Tiger was this time when Ireland was so fucking poor. It was there was mass exodus of people leaving all the time until like the seventies, when. Um, people that left Ireland in the famine days came back to Ireland because they were like, we've earned some money. We want to move back home. We can pay for the fare and we're going to take the ferry across and and try and rebuild our lives in Ireland. And that's when the European culture started like throwing money at Ireland and saying, we we want you to rebuild yourself. And then Ireland started to come into money and it started to become a a mass agriculture place of, uh, of uh like selling our our uh, sell, basically becoming more than just a, a land that you were either stuck in or you left now it became somewhere where people started to to use the land and and uh use the culture and uh make life for themselves because in the 70s it was a really hard really depressing place this is just from the books that i read and now it's like Ireland's in money. It's a very, very affluent country. And uh, it's stuck in this kind of commercial um, new money phase where it's paying attention to what uh, anyone else is doing and it's not paying attention to its own culture. So it's this really kind of uh, like American, Anglo, uh, Europeanized, uh, Americanized, weird culture, which is absolutely obsessed with money. So it's like, I don't know where the fuck we are at the moment, but the pendulum must swing and we must find it again in terms of language, Irish language and Irish culture. I just got lost in a whole fucking spin there of... (laughs) (laughs) Dude, we have a long history and they were really, really lost refinding what it means to come from what, what Irish history means. And it's such a vagabond country. We've moved, we've exodus. Uh, Irish people love and fucking hate Ireland at the same time because it offered us everything and it's so beautiful, but it's so hard to live there. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you've got one track left and and you get to play um, Tastemaker or as the uh, the kids call it, Influencer. And, uh, mm. and I'd like you to tell me, please, uh, a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. This is one of the best songs ever written. It's from the Roaches. They're three sisters from England. Um, they're of the Wainwright Empire. Um, unbelievable, uh, intellectual, t- timeless songwriting, which is something uh, that I think um, 
England specifically has a, a literary uh, genius to it. Um, we're talking Martin Carthy world. Um, so the Wainwrights, uh, sorry, uh, the Roaches, the sisters, they're three sisters, one with a really deep baritone voice and a really high one and somebody right in the middle. And um, they they wrote songs from the 80s and the 90s and, and they had nobody to tell them what to do. They just were very, very connected as sisters. And they wrote songs about like... Um, sleeping with married men and hopping on a plane to Ireland and doing a tour and um, all sorts of really quirky, um, unusual songs that nobody was singing about at the time. And uh, they also had this uh, trio harmony, which was unfucking touchable They would sing a note and they would hold it for up to 15 seconds. This really intense, long Un, unflittering note, no vibrato, just a fucking pure dart of a note in a bullseye. And then the three of them would sing that for as long as you could, you could ever hear anybody hold. And, uh, and there's, it's completely untouched. It's, there's, uh, there's no effects over the vocal and it's really, really naked and it's terrifying. And I never heard anybody do anything like that. And when I play this song, Hammond Song by Roaches to anybody and they know it, people run from across the room to give you a hug and find the people that know it because it's such a connector. It's a really, um, it's a song that not many people know about, not enough people know about. And it, it makes, it tears people's defenses down. It's utter, simplistic, very unusual, drilling songwriting and vocals it's a very well-kept secret that track and you it, know it yeah uh <sighs> about a year and a half ago in lockdown my mate paul went have you heard this and i was like i looked at it it was just a whatsapp message and a link and i was like no i'll stick it on now he was like and it, and it lit and he's one of my friends where we just bicker about music all the time yeah. and he was like i think it might be the best record ever fucking made yeah and i was like Wow. So yeah. I played it and it was like, holy shit. Have I not heard this before? Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and do you know what? I mean, we're throwing it out there now uh, on this podcast and, and it's not been mentioned before. And I'm really surprised that it's, it's not come up because it is, it does feel like a little, a little secret. And uh, mm-hmm. and we've blown its cover now. And uh, <laughs> and, and what we do is we, we do actually um, put a little Spotify playlist together to accompany the podcast with all your all your picks on it as well, so people can go and check that out. Um, and, uh, and and all the other songs that we've we've spoken about today. But oh, that's a great shout, Wallace. It's a it's a beauty. Mm, that is. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's really special when somebody knows it. Yeah. And I love watching people's face when they hear it for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Oh, it's a magic moment. A magic moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to I know s- about the magic moments that are coming up because we're we're we're, we're into May now, and uh, and we're back into a world where gigs are happening where people are reconnecting and, and, and dancing in fields and stuff. And it, and it feels joyous to be back there doing that. Um, what's going to be happening for the rest of the year? Um, personally, and what are you looking forward to professionally? Personally, um, I'm going 
out next weekend to dig a compost toilet in a new farm that I just bought with a group of people. Um, that's a whole mad project that just happened very quickly last, last December. It was like, okay, there's four of us. We're buying a house. Are you in? And I was like, well, okay. So, um, we're getting, yeah, personally, I'm, I'm jumping into this huge renovation project, uh, with the, with the dream that it's a huge artist space, um, for teaching, living, art, creating, and, um, and it's a, like a 10 year project, uh, with the hopes that we stay there forever. So that's really interesting project in my life right now. And that's opened up a whole new shelf of, um, possibilities for me. I'm going to become a better producer. Um, I'll take on other people's projects and I'm going to teach. I'm dying to teach kids, just dying to do that. Um, and, uh, so that's in the like 10 year future. And if there is one. And uh, <laughs> the other, the the career-wise one, I'm genuinely only thinking towards um, January next year, I have a tour booked in America. And that's as far as I've gotten. And uh, this year is, I have a new band. I have a fully female band. And we are just going to take to the, take to the stage for September, October, November. And we're just going to show off for two and a half hours straight every single evening and uh, blow the tits off ourselves. That's basically it. We, that's all our intention is. We just want to get... What a CV. We're going to play, yeah. we're going to show off for two and a half hours and blow our own tits off. Yeah. That's the only intention. That's a great name for an album. <laughs> That'll be the live album. Right? <laughs> blow our own tits off. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. Wallace, it's been such a joy talking to yeah. you, mate. Like, I've My, had such a good time. You are you're a pleasure to be in a conversation with. I can't wait to meet you in person. <laughs> like, finally, it's gonna be it's gonna be lovely. Oh, yeah. wonderful! Well, hopefully, I'll, I'll be out and about somewhere in Berlin, and I'll hear I'll hear Hammond's song. And uh, if you just see this <laughs> this big hairy old geezer come running over <laughs> to give you a hug, that's why it'll be me, mate. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna be doing some kind of a dirty dancing, lifting, exciting thing. <laughs> I think that might have to switch. I don't reckon you'll be able to get me off the ground, mate. <laughs> no problem. It'll be so adrenaline buzz. Should, two of us are just gonna actually float towards. Each <laughs> thank you so much and if people want to keep up to speed with everything you're doing where's the best place to do that um all the socials all the dot coms uh, the only thing that i'm not on is twitter actually i'm not I, i'm no good on twitter no i why? can't compress it i can't do it i know i've got too yeah. much to say um yeah yeah this is it absolutely yeah. but if it's cool with you um we'll, we'll tag you on the, the other socials when this episode comes out and then uh, yeah. people that haven't found you already can go and uh, explore uh, everything that you're up to um thanks again mate it's been an absolute oh, delight you're a gentleman thanks again there you go wallace bird um just finished that track uh, sorry that chat and yeah, I'm just recording. Always sort of when I finish, then go and record the uh, the intros and outros straight afterwards. And I, and I hope that it still sort of captures the the energy that I'm feeling right now and 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 the joy because that was um that was one of uh, one of my absolute faves. That was it's really nice when the conversation just flows so easily and and you know you get a 
you get guests that just you know are completely open and 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 have just lived these lives you know they've just traveled so much you know the different schools being from a, such a large family as well it, it really enriches you in in stories and 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 being able to story tell and such and 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 obviously being that that will obviously come uh, across is very very um apparent in in wallace's um music so um as mentioned go check her out um she'll be tagged in um all the social media posts for for this episode um yeah i've uh thoroughly enjoyed that and uh if you sort of get a fraction of what i got from that chat then um you've had a good time um go check out the back catalogue um hundreds of episodes all there for free um if you'd like to support the podcast um it's 70p a month on patreon um, to get a bundle of stuff um, or just give us a like, love, share or retweet on the social medias or just nudge your mate and tell him about Off The Beaten Track and tell him it's, a, it's an alright podcast this this geezer from Essex with a lisp um, has these really nice chats with some incredible creatives and uh, yeah, and it's for free www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com I'm back next time um, have a lovely week um, much love, see you soon, bye bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him